23DB Production Studios in the Garden State, New Jersey, this is the Art of Music Tech with your hosts, Fela and Dennis. Let's go, let's go, let's go, and welcome to the Art of Music Tech. Thank you for listening and sharing via YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Fela, and over there is Dennis. Hi, everybody. We are in the Bronx. We are on the road with this with this particular episode <laughs> uh, with a very, very good friend since I have my, my early days of moving to New York City. He's been a great friend and mentor and fresh off of... The summer's hottest tour, right? OTR 2. Yeah, I mean, on the run 2 with Beyonce and Jay-Z. I mean, you don't get any bigger. He's the the man at uh, programming and playback. Um, His name is Kevin Ryan, but we all know him as Quiz. So welcome to the show, Quiz. Hey, thank you very much. What's up, y'all? All right, doing great. Thanks uh, for having us. Oh, thanks for Hey, I'm humbled just to be on it, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, very humble guy, Quiz. Um, man, so much to talk about. We want to get your early days in audio. Again, to go back, your producer also as well as engineer. Got you, all things audio and music Okay, you're about. Uh, just to just to blow you up, I know you're a humble man, but I we need I to hear the to. story. <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I, I gotta fit you out there. You, you're the man. So um, I, we learned so much about gear and endorsements and a whole bunch of stuff from you. Um, let's get the early stuff on on how you got into audio and actually just early life because you're from here mm-hmm. in the Bronx, and again we're at his studio, Rhythm Lab. Right, right. So let's go. <laughs> well, um, I started uh, I started playing drums like when I was nine. I started taking drum lessons. Um, took it from like a year, and then lost interest. Then when I was fourteen, um, I started being interested in playing drums again. So begged my parents if I could take some more drum lessons, but I needed a full drum set because it's the first time I was playing, I just had a snare drum and a cymbal, and it was boring mm. as hell. So, uh, <laughs> you know, my parents got me a a, a little three-piece set, started playing, um, taking lessons, took lessons for like nine years. And I thought in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a studio drummer. I'm going to be that dude, you know what I mean? But drum machines said no. You're not going to do that because everybody was using drum machines at that point. So oh, wow. I was like, okay, I got to figure something else out. Um, and I, uh, I, I was always interested in keyboards and things like that. And um, here we go again, begging my mom for, can I get a a Moog keyboard? And wow, you know, yeah, high yeah. end, some high end, right? Instrument. And uh, my mom saw how much it cost, and she was like, "You're bugging!" Like so, <laughs> <laughs> so there was this Moog. This keyboard called the Moog Rogue. It was a monophonic mm. keyboard, only two octaves, and I think it costs like maybe five hundred bucks, which is a lot of money. But my mom was like, "I'll I'll get you this for Christmas as long as you get some decent grades." So I made sure I got some good grades, uh-huh. and for Christmas I got this Moog Rogue. So the only thing I could do is make weird sounds and lead lines and bass lines. Didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I just kept on. 
making these little weird sounds and whatever, whatever. And then I bought a drum machine uh, and started making beats. And next thing you know, a friend of mine was like, you're going to be a producer one day. And I What didn't even year? Know- Tell us what year was that. Oh, see, you're going to date me, man. You're making me, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, so it, it, was in the, it was in the early, early 80s. I'll put okay. it to you like that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I didn't even know what a producer did. You know, I mean, I would see like on the back of records when you read the liner notes and stuff, but I didn't know what a producer actually did. And um, I was a DJ at the time, too. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of um, DJing in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Yeah, in exactly. <laughs> the but see, the, but the, yeah, but the thing is, I wasn't a hip hop DJ. I was oh. in the club music. I was in the like, mm-hmm. dance oh. music. Yeah. So um, I was DJing in roller skating rinks out here, like the Bruckner roller skating rink I DJed in. Uh. And, you know, I, I really loved being a club DJ. I, didn't, I wasn't into scratching or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I loved... Um, what everybody calls a mashup now. I love doing those kind of things. So I would take an acapella from one record and the beat from another record. And so I was doing that back, back then. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that's, that was my, me getting my foot wet in Mm. production. What, what kind of tools did you have to do that? Um, I had, um, two techniques, 1800s, like the 1200s were the ones. Mm Mm-hmm. But I couldn't afford the twelve hundred, so I had to get the the level right below Blood that. Egg. So um, I got some eighteen hundreds. Um, uh, at this point, I was like eighteen, nineteen years old, and I was, you know, I had like part time jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was saving my money. I ended up saving my money to get a TIAC uh, one thousand. Uh, was it one thousand R, reel to reel? So I was mixing mm-hmm. to this reel to reel and. I made my own bass cabinets because I, I had a friend that was a, a carpenter. And I started learning carpentry just on some, I was just interested. I was always interested in a lot of weird stuff. So I started building bass cabinets. Next thing you know, I'm ba- making bass cabinets for other DJs and stuff wow, like that. That's, I mean, and I'm doing this in my bedroom in my parents' making money. apartment. Huh? Were you making money? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, but, I wasn't making a lot of money, but you know, because yeah. a lot of people weren't. It's not like people were just knocking my door down, but yeah. you know what but I mean? But you still I sold made, them. Yeah, yeah, I made a few dollars. Great. As a matter of fact, I could show you some of my, my old designs. Oh, okay. Perfect. We'll take pictures lo- and post I would love yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I still have them, actually. Damn. So, um, yeah, but I ended up doing that. Actually, if you look to your left, you see those two phase linear amplifiers? Yeah. Those are, those are what I used to use when I was DJing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right in front of us. All right. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, I was doing all of that. I was still playing drums and uh, messing around with this keyboard. And next thing you know, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making some songs, making something. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. um, I just started that way. You know what I mean? And it just started to grow and grow and grow and now I'm here. Uh-huh. You, you know. just do something every day. And yeah. Add to it, that 10,000 hour thing. Exactly. You know what it is? You know. Like, With passion. Yeah. <laughs> passion. Passion. Yeah. Because I was definitely passionate about it. You know. I mean, I had a lot of different things I was interested in, but music always seemed to supersede everything else you know what i mean so, yeah we, we were talking earlier about yeah. discipline and you, you, right. were, you were talking sports. about yeah sports, i mean i studied martial, martial arts, arts. Yeah. i was boxing yeah. like my my dad made me start boxing when i was a little kid because he saw me getting picked on 
And then I started, you know, getting into Taekwondo. Uh-huh. As an adult, I started studying um, ninjutsu. So, uh-huh. like, I've all, you know, I've always been, I guess, I shouldn't say always, but I, I did get a sense of discipline, not only from my dad, but just from the particular things I was studying. Yeah. And then... Um, and that's uh, from 11. So you're doing the right. music thing yeah, and right. this other thing that's very disciplined. So, and music, right. if you're disciplined, you'd be very successful at it. Right. But you I have am. to be disciplined. You got to so. be really disciplined. <laughs> but I was all over the place because yeah. I was a baseball player too. Oh, yeah. And um, I got scouted by the Yankees when I was 17. Wow. And um, I was just like, I, I think, you know, and this is not a bragging thing. I was just a naturally good baseball player, but I wasn't really strong. Like I was, I was, I've always been really slim, skinny. And um, when I went to to audition for the Yan- um, um, tryout for the Yankees, uh, I couldn't hit because I was like, th- these were grown men Man. trying to play <laughs> professional baseball, trying to make the Yankees. I'm 17. I might have weighed about 145 pounds max, yeah. soaking wet. And I'm seeing like 90 mile an hour fastballs, and I'm I've never seen a ball like thrown that hard before. So it was really difficult for me to hit. I couldn't even bunt. I was so so like nervous standing in the box, but I fielded really well. And they they recognized that I had a little potential, but they were like, "Dude, you got to put on like 10, 15 pounds of muscle, because you're just." You, you you ain't it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was wise enough or smart enough to know back then how much work I would have to do to gain like professional or sport. Fi- yeah, 15 pounds of muscle at 17. Like, I'm not built for this. You, yeah. know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and it's not like I couldn't have done it, but mentally I wasn't ready because I didn't love it like I love yeah. music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Music was the thing, so... You know, just, you know, it's one of those things, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that kind of phased out and then the, around 18 with the 17 with the baseball. The baseball thing? Yeah, like, like around 18 is when I was like, yeah, I'm and not And then do you this. were DJing and, right, right. and doing that and what made you get into like the engineering. So, well, I guess actually this whole thing is engineering from the get go. Well, <laughs> like you're, you know, you're yeah. learning the basics with right. the most Building basics amps. of, right. of gear, you know. Right, because, yeah. you know, I'm recording to reel to reel and cassettes and making mixtapes with people and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm learning the basics of uh-huh. recording. I'm learning that, oh, this is going to distort if I record this. So, I, you know, I learned the basics. <laughs> exactly. And um, so, like, I'll fast forward a little bit. And um, I had two kids. I had uh, twin boys. And I realized, okay, now I got to be super responsible. Mm-hmm. But I still got to pursue this music. Mm-hmm. And uh, as time went on, I bought more equipment. I bought a four-track. And I bought another keyboard, and I'm working my full-time job, but I'm still grinding out. And what's your full-time job at that point? At that point, I was working for Avis Rent-A-Car while I was in school. Uh I was was in college. And uh, I was working for Avis Rent-A-Car. I hated the job. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And uh, But, you know, every night I would come home and spend like two, three hours at the very least working Uh on music. Never took... um, I, I stopped taking drum lessons at that point because I wasn't really even playing like that anymore, you know, because um, mm-hmm. it was all about MIDI, you know, MIDI keyboards. <laughs> Programming and MIDI. drum machines. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, um, you know, I, I was doing that for, for years and trying to teach myself how to play keyboards. And I, t- I ended up finding a keyboard, uh, uh, 
this guy named uh, Les Horan. He was like semi-famous uh, uh, piano teacher in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And I took three lessons from him. And my third lesson, well, the first first lesson I took, he, he just was like, all right, let me hear what you could do. And I started playing on this. Like He had like two grand pianos. like, And he would sit on one side and I'm sitting on the other piano. And I started playing just what I can do, you know what I mean? So he was like, where did you learn those chords? And I was like, I just hear it. So I just started doing it. So he was like, hmm, okay. So he started giving me like basic, not even theory, but basic exercises on how to get faster, you know, and not even teaching me any chords. He was just like, I just want you to get familiar with how to move around the keyboards, the, the right fingering and all that stuff. Uh -huh. Second lesson, he was like, okay, you know, keep on doing that. And then he gave me a couple of other pointers. And then the third lesson, he was like, listen, are you trying to be like a, a, a professional keyboard player or are you doing this because you want to write songs? And I said, more just to write songs. I'm not interested in doing concerts or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. He was like, I don't want to waste your money. He was like, you have a natural gift and you hear things that are actually technically strange, but they work in, in the jazz world because you're playing dissonant chords and you don't even realize what you're playing, but these chords work in jazz, mm -hmm. right? Keep doing that. He was like, I don't want to mess you up with the rules because if I mess you up with the rules, yeah. you might not get uh -huh. more of what you're already doing. So at first, I, I, I thought he was just rejecting me. Like I was just like, man, maybe I just can't play good enough. And he's a, he's really more a, a teacher for advanced students. But I ran it by a few other musician friends of mine. And they were like, nah, like he's right. Like if I knew that when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have been taking as many lessons as I took, you know, because a lot of my friends were uh, at that time were classically trained. Mm -hmm. And but they would even be like, hey, man, how'd you learn? You're like, where'd you learn that? I mean, and I'm looking at these guys like, yo, you guys are amazing. I could I couldn't play anywhere near as that, well as they mm -hmm. can play. Mm -hmm. But from a chord standpoint. Like, I would play interesting things that they wouldn't think of. You know what I mean? Because I guess they were so immersed in what... Yeah, the rules. What, the rules. The <laughs> rules. Or just creative yeah, and passionate. The theory. Like, this is what theory is, and you do this and this, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, I you know, I just kept on going. But the weird thing is I kind of fell into this jazzy mode because that's what I was just doing, you know. Yeah, and natural. everybody was like, wow. You really like jazz, huh? And I'm like, <laughs> I like jazz, but it's not like I'm intentionally trying to sound like that. But I, for a, for for a while, I was considered to be like uh, somebody that comes up with jazz, jazzy kind of sound. I guess it was like the early version of like neo soul, but it wasn't uh -huh. called neo soul. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um. Am I talking too long about oh, this? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, um, oh, no, no. Yeah, this I'm here is, for the yeah, first yeah. time. <laughs> so um, uh, I, okay, we know we all know who Andre Horrell is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Andre Horrell and I met when we were kids, like um, we were teenagers. And um, wow. at this point, Andre had just started this record label called Uptown, Uptown. Records. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, his, um, sorry, um, was it his game? No, his cousin 
was engaged to one of my good friends, Gabe, and um, basically Gabe was the one that told me that Andre had this label and Gabe was a singer and we were trying to do this little group together. So we um, played some things for Andre and Andre was like, yo, man, I... Um, you know, this is happening. That's an, that is happening. He came. He came to my house when I was living in Queens at the time. He came to my house and uh, he heard some stuff I was doing. And he was like, "You did all of this on a four track?" And I was like, "Yeah." You know, he was like, "It sounded like you did it on a sixteen track or something." How'd you get all of those parts? And it still sounds kind of clean or whatever, whatever. I was like, "Man, I'm just trying to do what I could do with the little bit I have." You know what I mean? So I was gonna sign to Uptown as a producer, as a staff producer. Things didn't go well with the negotiating, but it didn't dissuade me. I just kept on moving and moving. And um, in the meantime, I ended up producing and doing vocal arrangements for uh, this artist named Jeff Red that was signed to Andre's label. And then Andre asked me to do a demo. And this is, this, historically, this has never been told um, publicly. But... Uh, I ended up doing a demo for this girl named Mary J. Blige. Wow. And I actually used her to sing background on one of Jeff Red's records. So uh, Andre asked me to do the demo because her, her first demo that he heard was, uh, you know, like a karaoke kind of thing she did in a, in a, yeah. a shopping mall. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And Andre was like, he, he heard the potential, but uh, he was like, I want to hear her on a real song, like a real. So that's, I did her wow. official demo. First like, demo. When you hear the Mary J. Blige stories, you never hear about me doing yeah. that demo. <laughs> but her official demo was a song I wrote. You know what I mean? You ask, you can ask Mary. Like me and Mary, like when we see each other, it's still love. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, of but yeah, yeah, her wow. official demo, I did. For and that's man. yeah, that's the, you see. That's the nobody thing knew that, about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know that. exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, that's how that solidified her deal. Yes. And Jeff Red, the artist that um that I was producing at the time, basically met her stepfather I think because they worked at the same place and that's how Mary got in front of uh, Andre you know what I mean cousin oh. Jeff Red but yeah it's a small world and how things unfold is crazy you know? wow uptown so you, you the Puffy and all that area Listen, like wow. I remember I remember when Puffy was just happy to be in the building exactly you know what I mean because yeah. Puffy was like an intern in the beginning uh-huh and uh yeah, I remember. I I distinctly remember the first time I met Puffy, and he was happy to be in the building. He had a little skinny tie on, yeah, oh, okay. little wrinkle, wrinkle button down. Yo, right he was, then. yeah, he was. You know, he had a little wrinkle button down shirt, but he was, he was like, you know, you could tell this kid he is was, hungry. You yeah, know what I mean? Like he was ready. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So. It, Still it, is. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um yeah. I I mean like I, I never really made friends with Puffy, but I just met him yeah. and was like, Hey, how you doing? Yeah, bro? you know yeah. what I mean? That in kind the, of in thing. the in the atmosphere of right, what was right. going on. Wow, that was an era. Right. The beginning of Right. I Holy was cow. like I was messing with Uptown before Jodeci got there. Yeah, exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was yeah, that was yeah, that was the, the early, early days. Wow, wow. Um, uh, yeah, because when I met Puffy, that's when they, they moved from... Uptown used to be in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. on 4th Avenue in Brooklyn. And they moved to Broadway once they got to deal with MCA Records and the bigger distribution situation. Mm -hmm. So they had, 
Yeah, that's when I met, met Puffy. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it was it was an interesting time. Yeah, yeah. So so in that time, you were pr- starting to really produce Producing. and real on a higher right. level, right. and it's growing, and right. you feeling good. You're in your early twenties at right. this time, right? right? So mm-hmm. you're really and yeah. that, this is just growing, like yeah. So from there, what what happens from? Well, like I said, I didn't end up signing with Uptown because of uh, con- yeah, uh, contract. Yeah, yeah. Some things I just was like, nah, I can't do that. Uh-huh. You know? um, and I didn't do anything for a while, like maybe a year. I didn't have anything, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, how did I meet Tayshawn? Oh, okay. So now Rogers had a seminar and I decided to go to this seminar and listen to what this man had to say because I always respected oh, yeah. Sheik and I was like man these guys are dope but you know what I mean uh-huh. so I went to this seminar and I had a cassette actually I that cassette is in that display out there when you leave you come check it out oh yeah but I had this cassette of of uh this song called Brazilian Lady which I produced for Jeff Red on Uptown so after he said what he said, and I learned some things from Nile or whatever, um, at the end of the seminar, I walked up to uh, uh, his assistant, this woman named Lasvia Castro. And, oh, yeah, because Nile invited people. Like, if you have anything you want me to listen to, just bring it up. My assistant will take it, and we'll listen to it. And, you know, if we like it, we'll get back to you, whatever, whatever. Wow. Cool. So I go That's up to really Lasvia. Cool. <laughs> I gave it a cassette. A couple of days later, I get a call. Nile wants to meet you. Really? Yeah. Come down to Skyline Studio, you know, and so I go down to Skyline, whatever, a couple of days later or whatever, and now we're starting a, a record label called Ear Candy. And now I spoke to him. We It was just he and I. We talked maybe an hour, hour and a half, and I got so much knowledge from that dude. Um. Wow. In that span of time, like he inspired me so much. Uh-huh. And then the fact that he loved what I did with the records that I did and and he wanted to sign me as one of the staff producers for Ear Candy. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, the 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 deal fell through for him. So it never we we never, you know, worked yeah. together again. But I was so inspired that I was like, man, not I'm a producer. Because if now Roger said I could be there, like I'm a producer. So I just Yes. It's on. Yeah. Let's go. It's on. Let's yeah. go. I will say, um, knowledge is power, but sometimes depending on who you are and the type of personality you have, knowledge can set you back. Because sometimes when you know too much, people tend to back away from you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I knew a lot about the business side. Like at the time I had a really good good attorney named Denise Brown and she put me onto a lot about the music business and what to look out for and I had other opportunities, certain things I can't I don't want to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But um because I had this knowledge and I wasn't naive and I wasn't ripe for the picking to get jerked. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> I I I either passed on certain situations or certain situations they passed on me because I was asking too many questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And you know, 
You live and you learn. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Some things are just not for you. Some things, and you know, you look back and you're like, man, I still could have made a lot of money, but you know, (laughs) you're going to compromise, are you going to compromise your morals or are you going to be able to sleep at night? Uh You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So, So, so that era was like, it was a lot of things. It was a lot of in yeah, and yeah. Out and, yeah. And at the time, I was still holding down a full time job. Oh, now at this point, yo, at, well, I mean, I had two okay. kids. Oh, like, yeah. You know what I mean? So at this point, I'm working for the New York City Transit Authority. Okay. And uh, you know, I needed benefits because my sons are young. You know, you know. Yeah. So I was like, I have to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, some of the things that were offered to me were like they would throw a, a number at me, but but they were like, you can't work. You can't, you got to quit the job. Well, this number is only going to work for me for six months, maybe. Then what's going to happen? I'm going to lose my benefits over this number. I don't know. You can't guarantee I'm going to get more than this number. So, you know, certain things I just couldn't do. Decisions. You got to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have kids. Now, probably if I didn't have kids at the time, I probably would have made a different decision because it would have just been me. Mm -hmm. You know, just me worrying about me. But. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it was it was it was a real interesting time. Uh huh. You know, I, I worked on a few other records too. You know, but it was uh, okay. You know, but so, oh, I'm skipping the whole Las Vegas Castro thing. So, like, you know, the whole thing with Niles, it didn't it didn't work out, but it was great. But Las Vegas Castro remembered me, and all of a sudden she was like, I want to, she called me and she was like, I want to introduce you to this artist named Tayshawn. He's really dope. And uh, Andre Harrell's company is doing this movie called Go Beverly, right? Go Beverly, okay. Well, they need a theme for it. Okay, cool. So I, I meet Tayshawn, comes to the house, started working on music. I came up with a track. He wrote this great song called Go Beverly. Um played the song, everybody loved it, and then the studio decided they were going to change the name of the movie to Strictly Business. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that movie? Yeah, with Halle Berry. Halle Berry, yeah. Yeah, So the song we wrote... Tommy Davidson, yeah, yeah, I remember that. the song we wrote didn't fit anymore. Uh... And um, And then Andre, you know, decided, well, I'm going to use... The artist on my label to do, you know, so that's, but it was like, man. Yeah, that was in yeah, that era. Exactly. I remember that. <laughs> right. But Tayshawn and I, you know, we developed a cool relationship. So Tayshawn was like, yo, I want you to do something on my album. So I produced a song on his album. Um, then the album was called In the Name of Love. He was an R&B artist, real, uh-huh. real cool R&B artist. And I met, I don't know if you know who David Kahn is. David mm-hmm. Kahn is like, he's a pretty big producer. Pretty, yeah. yeah, okay. But I met him through that. Um, do you know um, uh, Michael Brower? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Michael Brower mixed that record. Oh. He mixed, he mixed the record I produced. <laughs> and I learned some stuff from Michael Brower. Whew. Yeah. Uh, I, what, what he did um, Coldplay. Coldplay's. Yeah. yeah Michael Brower. Yeah, yeah. a lot of big, big artists. But yeah. even back then, Michael Brower had like, towers full of outboard gear like crazy stuff like Michael Bauer was the first and I didn't even know what it was called at this point but he was the first person to do like um, multi-bus compression 
Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I didn't even know what that. it was called, yeah. but I remember like, damn. <laughs> like he was mixing on the S. Uh-huh. We were in, we were in, um, uh, shoot, what's the name of the studio? What's the studio that Tupac got shot in in New York? Quad. Quad. We yeah. Were in the Quad penthouse, and he had that whole penthouse that was his room, and he had one assistant, and this big ass SSL. It was like <laughs> I don't know, maybe. 56, 60 channels, yeah, I don't remember, but just... it was a big SSL, uh, <laughs> I believe it was a 4,000, but uh, I was just like, I just came into the session to hear where he was with my mix, uh-huh. you know what I mean, and Michael Brower literally took what I did and he added some spice to it, but the the cool thing about Michael Brower is like, yo... He, he was like, I listened to your demo mix. I really like certain elements, and I kept them. Like, he redid it, but he mm-hmm. redid it to sound like what was in the demo. And I listened to him, and I, I saw how he took my mix to the next level, but I it, it automatically made me go, how'd you do that? Mm-hmm. And how did this happen? And why does this sound like this now? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he started showing me stuff on the console, and I was like, Oh, oh, that's what you. No, I mean he didn't teach mm-hmm. me a lot, lot, but it yeah, was things that enough to get you like thought process. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. The, the wheels are turning, turning in your head. Like now, nah, how could I? I don't have all this gear. How do I make this happen? And it, this is before DAWs and plugins and all, all that stuff. So it was just like. Damn, yeah. you know how much gear I have to buy? To <laughs> That's <laughs> overwhelming. I right. can imagine. Again, in the nineties, like it was insane. Yeah, it was crazy. The, 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 yeah, the, the gear. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was really, really, really crazy. Uh-huh. But I was like, man, if when I ever get the money, I'm gonna buy this and I'm gonna do that and do your own thing. Yeah. So Shout it was. Out. I had like some really good teaching moments. You know what I mean? Uh, back then just being with different engineers. Even when I did the Jeff Red record, I, I um, learned what not to do. Because mm-hmm. the Jeff Red record, the mix was horrible. The whole mix was out of phase. The whole mix oh, was man. out of phase. And when I went to the studio to hear it, shoot, I'm calling him out. It was an engineer named Jay Henry. And I literally sat in the studio and I was like, this doesn't sound right. Yeah, yeah. Like, what happened to the low end? Like, something sounds weird. It, it's And I said to him, it sounds like a phase shifter is on everything. And he was, you know what his you know what his answer was? What? Oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry. It's fine. You know, if, if, if there's any problems, they'll fix it in mastering. That's what he told me. What? Oh, wow. We went and past I'm, fix it in the mix to fix it in mastering. He was the mix engineer. <laughs> And I'm like, you wow. can't hear this. Wow! Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember he he was he was playing it on some Yuri's. Remember those Yuri um, main monitors? They had blue horns on them. Do you, maybe that's too. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. A that's a little early. bit too yeah. early for y'all, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, he was playing them. He was playing them on these Yuri's, and I was like, man, this thing sounds horrible. But when he told me. When he said what he said, I looked at it like this man has way more experience in this than I do. I guess you know maybe he's right. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm new at this. Mm-hmm. You know, this but I first... think something clicked in your head. It was like, yeah, yeah. goddamn, yeah, yeah. you can do it too. Yeah, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is fuck, this is crazy. So, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. When the record came out and it sounded exactly like what I heard, I was so pissed. Because I'm like, damn, this is not cool, man. They didn't fix it in mastering, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nobody wow. could fix that. You know what I mean? So it was like, that was my lesson on what not to do. Next time, really speak up. Because uh-huh. this is your music, yeah, man. Yeah. This is your art. Your you know livelihood I mean? as well. Right. Yeah, I mean. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, it was, it was, yeah, that was weird. I mean, I mean, I, I can go, I can keep on going. I, oh, yeah, on that yeah. tip. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we, we all have those, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Stories. Stories in a studio, yeah. Right. Um, so, from there, we, we, okay. we. So, let's fast forward a little bit more. Um, my girlfriend at the time uh, wanted to start, she was a singer, and, um. She wanted to start a girls group. So she was like, can you help me, you know, put some girls together or whatever? And I want to start a girls group and see what we could do. It's like, all right, cool. So we auditioned some people and some would work out, certain ones wouldn't work out. Um, long story short, it was going to be a five girl group. Um, don't laugh at the name. They were, I named them the Earth Girls because it was like five black women, but they were all different shades and it was like, yo, this represents Earth. Earth. You know what I mean? Okay. So I'm like, yo, they're the Earth girls. Long story short, again, um, we go through about 15 different people. 15 different people rotated in the group until we got the core five. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, I did a, I did a whole album on them. Just just knocked out a whole album and so at this point you were record you you did everything recorded mixed right Um, okay i'll tell you the gear update on that yeah (laughs) i had a four track right and then uh at one point i updated to a Tascam eight track and it was this eight track that was everything was built into this one console right um I'm skipping some things because I, I did some stuff for uh, Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam. But, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... That makes something. sense with the dance. Right, Yeah, right. freestyle is big. Right, yeah, right. all that kind of stuff, yeah. Right, and, they, and um, Full Force was hating on me by that. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, a, that's <laughs> another... Force. Yeah, that's that's another story. Cause, uh, that's too funny, guys. Yeah, they, they were hating on me. <laughs> Cause, uh, Cause the A and R really dug what I was doing, and Lisa, Lisa, and uh, Spanador, and uh, I forgot the other cast. They were like, "Yo, yo, uh-huh. Full Force," because they were signed to Full Force. Yeah, and Full Force was like, "Nah, fuck that. Like, nah, <laughs> we not letting this dude get in." So they just was hating on me in this meeting, but it was all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm working with this girls group. We finally got the core five. Um, and in the meantime, I. I really wanted to get better gear, but you know the money wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I had this uh, this Jeep, this uh, Mitsubishi Montero. No, sorry, it was it looked like a Mitsubishi Montero. It was made by Dodge. It was called the Dodge Raider, and it got stolen. And it was relatively new, right? So when it got stolen, I'm like, damn, whatever, whatever. I get the insurance money, and uh, I got like ten thousand five hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, "Cool, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy some gear." Gear. 
invest. So, in invest. You, you know, invested, exactly. right? You, you know, people were like, you didn't put it in the bank? Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a Tascam. I bought another A-Track, but it was uh-huh. the Rack Manor Tascam cassette A-Track. Yeah. And I bought a Tascam M3500 console. And the M3500 was a 64 input console. Ooh. Right. So you had 32 line on inputs. The face. Yeah. And then you had on the short faders you had another 32. Uh-huh. So you had a total, you know what I mean? You didn't you didn't have EQ on the on the upper 32, but you had it on the lower 32. Right. So you know, you can yeah. it, 32 you, is plenty. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it had eight buses, so it was So I was like, okay. I'm gonna get this thing and really play big dog engineer. You know what yeah. I mean? I already had my NS10s at the time. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Of you know what I mean? No. So I'm I'm doing that, and we did the demo, the the well the album on this console, uh-huh. and I played it for my manager at the time, and he was like, "Congratulations! I think you got something here." And at the time, I was doing a lot more songwriting. And uh, I wrote like 90% of the songs. I wrote 100% of the music, but I wrote 90% of the songs. Uh-huh. And um, he took it to my lawyer. My lawyer loved it. She took it to EMI. EMI loved it. She took it to Capitol Records. They loved it. She took it to um, Virgin Records. They loved it. All of a sudden, there's a bidding war uh. for this album. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. You know what I mean? So Virgin Records flew me out, well, flew us out to L.A. Because they wanted to really see what was up with the group. And before they flew us out, um, I'm still kind of like this. I'm like a drill sergeant in a way. I was way worse back then, though. But I would rehearse the hell out of that group. You know what I mean? Every Five days a week, they were at my house mm-hmm. for three hours a night, just rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. So before we went out there, um, uh, there was a guy at Virgin that we had to meet. He was the head of radio promotion, I think. His name was Raymond Raymond Jones, I think. And he had an office in Manhattan. So we went out there, and basically Virgin wanted to just make sure that the girls could really sing before they fly everybody out to L.A. So his name was Wayman Jones. Yeah. So um, the girls did did their thing. He loved them. He gave us the thumbs up. So we went out to L.A. Meanwhile, when we're in L.A., Capitol's like, yo, so... Why don't you come by? And, you know, I was like, that's kind of unethical, man. Like, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're on these, you know what I mean? On their dime. Yeah, right, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. but, and they understood. They were cool. Uh-huh. So we went out to, to, to Virgin Records, and we performed in front of their staff. And they killed it. I, I can't say names, because some of these people are really still rocking. But they wanted to sign them. They threw a number at me, and well, I could say the number. It was five hundred thousand. What did give me five a five hundred thousand dollar production deal? So they were gonna hit me with five hundred thousand to 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 do the official record, mm-hmm. and then pay their um, advances and stuff out of my budget. Cool, but they wanted to pull three songs off the album, right? So I was like, okay, why? 
uh, just, just don't like them. Okay, cool. What don't you like about them? Because I want some constructive criticism. Or maybe I can just change some things or you tell me. Uh, I don't know. I just don't like them. That didn't sit well with me. You got, I mean, if you're an A&R and the head of A&R at that, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be able to give me better feedback than that. Ah, oh, I just don't like them. So I went back to this brother named Raymond Jones, Raymond Jones, whatever. And I was like, yo, this is what I was told. And I don't understand, like, I, what's going on with that? I mean, we're still basking, like, the girls are still basking off of, like, the hype that everybody at Virgin gave them. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? And he was like, listen, that person manages other producers. And then she's just trying to create slots so she can get her team on your album. Mm-hmm. I didn't, that didn't sit well with me. I told the girls group, they were like, that's weird. Like, that's not cool. So I said, let me see what Capital was talking about. So we went, we flew, flew back to New York, and Capital flew um, Matt Robinson out. He was the, the vice president of uh, black music. He came to New York, met with the girls. Well, before he came, he called. He called. He called me on. Um, uh, he called me at home with my lawyer on the phone, and he was like, "Yo, this record is out of control." Da 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 da. What a, you know? So, like, cool. This is dope. You know what I mean? So he came out. We met. He hit it off with the girls. We, everything was cool, and he was just saying the right things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I ended up signing with them. Mm-hmm. EMI wow. put up an offer, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was all right, but it, mm-hmm. they weren't really talking anything slick. So Capital ended up signing with them. Mm-hmm. So I signed a production deal, uh, basically just re-recorded everything we did mm-hmm. and uh, worked, you know, worked that album. So basically I signed this September, I I recorded and mixed everything by the end of December of that year, and then I turned mm-hmm. in the masters in February of the following year. Um, the girls shot one video, and it went to number four on BT Countdown. And the song was doing well, not in New York per se, but in the West. Mm-hmm. And it was doing the out. Well, that's another thing. They <laughs> they leaked the album in England, right? No, that was a good thing. Oh, that was a good thing. All right. I just I didn't at the in, at the time at the time <laughs> I was like, yo, how the hell does this guy know? And you know how we, I found out it got leaked. We were auditioning video directors, right? And this one director was from England, and while talking to him. He started singing some of the songs, and I'm like, "How do you know about that song?" He was like, "Oh, they're playing it out. <laughs> they're playing it out in England already." I'm like, "What?" And you know, at the time, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with pirate radio out there right now, but there was pirate radio out there because the BBC was like the only thing that yeah, was the big thing, mm-hmm. right? So they had like so some like something like 500 pirate radio stations. <laughs> So somehow these cats were getting the record and playing it all over the place. 
So the girls were bigger out there than they were in the United States. Europe. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Big in Europe. The obligatory. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. Um, I did a remix on um one of the songs. That was the other thing. They let me do my own remixes. Oh, like wow. I had Buster Rhymes on one song. Um, I don't know if you know this rapper named Smooth the Hustler. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh wow. It was Buster <laughs> and Smooth on this on, on on this one joint. Wow. Yeah, that's another story, like how I got how I got that to happen. But yeah, I was doing my own remixes and everything. Wow. And remixes were ending up on these um CDs, like the industry CDs at the time called Sin. Uh-huh. And basically, um what what labels would do would put singles on this industry wide CDs to cir- circulate it so people can hear what the label is like. Yo, we getting ready to come out with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did this remix on one of the songs and I turned it in as a demo. Like, yo, what do you think about this? Not even knowing about this Sin CD thing, right? Um, and they were like, oh yeah, that's dope. Like, yeah, we need to do that. So let's let's get the paperwork together so we can get you paid and da 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 da. So we go back to L.A. To Capitol. Now, this is the crazy thing. They've already been signed for almost a year at this point. But we go to perform for the staff, right? Mm-hmm. The staff didn't even know about the girls. They thought they just got signed. Damn. The girls perform, and they're like, these girls are incredible. Yeah. Where'd they come from? It's like... Uh, we've been here for like a year, like, <laughs> and it was just crazy, and um, that was another just, just a really weird time. <laughs> it was just another yeah. weird the, time. The, the shopping process, period. Oh man, is a, is such an interesting process. We yeah. we've gotten to see it close yeah, up, yeah. and uh, it's it's an experience. Yeah. It's it's something that you can't really tell. Behind the closed doors, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. they all do the same thing. Right, it's the same language. It's, it's such an interesting process. It's crazy. Big speakers, <laughs> right. big speakers, playing right. your music loud, and everybody got to bob their head right. really hard. Right, <laughs> but it was it was it was yeah, really yeah. crazy. Yeah, and yeah. then um, so I'm meeting different people in marketing departments or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Because the way I had my, remember I tell you about sometimes when you know. Too much is not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with my production deal, I had a lot of control. So uh-huh. I was meeting with a, a lot of the marketing people and radio promotion people, you know what I mean? And trying to just make sure everything was going to be the way it should be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met this one guy, and um, he was like, oh, yeah, we got um, one of your songs on the Sin CD. And I'm like, what's a Sin CD? What's that? He was like, oh, and he, he explained what, you know, what I uh-huh. told you it was. So I was like, oh, really? I was like, what song? And he pulls the song out that I remixed, and he plays it. And I'm like, that's a rough mix. That's not even the mix. Like, I, I just turned that in just to make sure y'all were cool with the re. How the hell, oh, man? Yeah. Like, like, I was just like, yo, this is, I don't like how this is moving right now. <laughs> like, this is moving real weird for me. Like, you know what uh, I mean? So I was like, I, I, yo, I, I, that, was, that was something else. So anyway... The, the video, like I said, the video goes to number four on BET. The girls doing all these interviews and people are loving them. Uh, we did this thing called the Black Family Reunion in D.C. It's a big, big event every summer. Uh-huh. And Monica yeah. was there and a bunch of known artists, you know what I mean? And girls performed and like people were bugging out. Wow. 
I swear to you, people were bugging out like, yo, who are these girls? We, I remember us going back to the, um, well, they, they had like a, a section for people to come over and meet the artists and the girls were at a table and they were signing, autographing pictures. And the girls are tripping because they're like, didn't expect that. Right. Yeah, they're like, and I'm like, me too. Guy. I'm yeah. looking like, wow, like these people are really feeling them. <laughs> like, this is going to be something else. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And um, uh, it, it was just, it was just really a really interesting time. And, and things were, were really looking good. Um, and I'm fast forwarding a little bit because we, you know, we did a few shows in different places and we were on Soul Train and the video, like I said, the video and they sang a cappella on um, BET with, remember Donnie Simpson? Oh, BET? yeah. Yeah, they sang. They, they, video Soul. Video go. Soul. They were singing a cappella and, and people were just floored by their vocals and it was, it was really, it was dope. And um, now we're into... This is like 97. We go to this conference in um, Palm Springs. I forgot the name of the conference. But I get a call from their agent, and they're basically saying, yo, we want the girls to go to England and open up for this group called Soul For Real. Remember Soul For yeah, Real? Yeah, Soul For Real. And we're like, wow, this is just Candy really, rain. it's just, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> this thing is rolling, uh-huh. and it's rolling. That and was we're a like, high record, man. Holy cow. Yeah, right. that was huge. So, we're, you know, I'm at the yeah. hotel, and uh, everything is good. We're like, cool, cool, cool. This is going to be crazy. Uh-huh. Never been overseas before, so I'm like, this oh, yeah. is, is going to be great. So um, I get a call from... I could say her name, Gwen Quinn. She was the she was the head of publicity back then. She's a really dope publicist, you know. Mm-hmm. She she does publicity for a lot of big stars. Gwen goes, um, "There's a problem," and I'm like, well, "What's up?" She was like, "Capital's getting ready to shut down the black music department." I'm out here in L.A. I can't even get home because my budget just got frozen. I can't even get a ticket to fly home. To, ba- to fly back to New York. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, w- w- we were like right here. We were right here. We were like, we were touching the ceiling for yeah, a second. Yeah, like, ooh, exactly. we get ready to break through break the ceiling. Through. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, baby. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was just like all this confusion, whatever, whatever. So we ended up, we finished the, the conference or whatever, and we ended up going back to New York, going back home. And then, like I said, this was in February. And literally, like a week later, I get a telegram from Capital. Your deal has been terminated. You don't know owe anymore. You don't owe any money, whatever, whatever. But it's over. Yeah. Uh huh. Talk about a, a a punch to the Chris, gut. Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, that's breathless. You oh. just like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it took years to get over that. Over that, over that. I know. <laughs> Oh my goodness, some of these joints, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. my, yo, honestly, my career is so heartbreaking. Because <laughs> it's not even, I'm not even finished with the heartbreaking. My, my career is so heartbreaking. I mean, I mean, it's so crazy, but it was great at the same time. Oh, I mean, yeah. it is great at the uh, same time, you know what I mean? Like, I, 
I, I would now nah, I'm not gonna say I wouldn't trade it, but <laughs> but no. I would take what I went through over working for a, doing a nine to five at a corporate job any, any day. day of the week. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because honestly, I've made a great living Oof. doing yeah. what I do and you know, um, you're and an expert do, too. Do you think we're working with Sorry, ladies earlier helped you out too with like with, with Beyonce, oh, like you know, oh, like dealing? Yeah, we're gonna switch to Beyonce soon. So yeah, oh, yeah. But I, I mean, think, but, wow. that, but dealing with five women and that, that oh that's yeah, a, yeah, 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 <laughs> in the singing first way, yeah, yeah, that's right, a lot. Right. That's yeah. a lot. It, did, so. it definitely, I learned a lot sure. from them, uh-huh. and um, and I learned a lot about myself as far as like my temperament and how I have to calm down in certain situations or whatever, whatever. Because like I said, I'm I'm a Virgo. Like uh-huh. like Beyonce, we're like perfectionists. So like we'll work on certain things, like minute things for hours and hours and hours and get on everybody's nerves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when a Virgo does it to me, it gets on my nerves too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, oh my God, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Like... But I got to understand it because I know what it is. You know what it is. And (laughs) if we're going to segue to Beyonce, like, you see what that, what that stubborn Virgo thing does, man. It makes you a superstar. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It, it. It's done for a reason. Uh huh. Yeah, you those tweaks, I mean? those yeah. getting it right, getting it to the minute detail. People yeah. notice that, and they don't. And that's why you love her, because she does stuff that you wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't even do. You don't hold yourself at that level, right? And I think that's that's more respect that right. that we, we that I have. I'm you know for her is like man you just take it to another level when it's you don't have to right and you know what why not (laughs) exactly you know what she does that that um i totally respect and i didn't recognize in the beginning but she she does things so outside the box Mm -hmm. that at first like here's an here's another negative virgo trait Virgos are very critical, right? So at first you're being critical, like that's not how that gets done. Like this is not correct. This is oh shit, that shit worked. Like you know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? It's like wow, it worked. Uh huh. And it didn't just work because she's who she is. It worked because it really worked. Works. You know what I mean? Like, and that's thinking outside the box. And uh-huh. you know, I learned that lesson early on working uh-huh. with her. You make well. it work. Right, you make it yeah. work because she'll do s- some things that are so unconventional, and you're like, "Oh my God, this is gonna be terrible," you know. And it's not; it's yeah. it's actually dope. You uh, know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, damn, she's trust me, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, and you gotta respect that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you because if you don't learn from that, then mm-hmm. you're not growing. You I, know mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you'll be in the same spot. Like, I mean, right. she's. Yeah, every album, another level. Right. I mean, just her audio, the sound, period. Right. Yeah. I don't think people really give her the props on just, just the how it sounds. Right. Like, I mean, we're talking mm. about the best of the best now. Even with the On The Run um, mm. tour to stuff, and, and the album, you could tell it has to be high def. It's at least at 96, if not 192, recorded. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the detail is there Production no matter value is what. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I, don't, I can't even tell you what bit depth they were using. Um, but you're right. It sounds. It's. Right. 
Right. No matter what you listen to that on. And and I feel like we're in like the caviar day, the salad days mm-hmm. of hip hop where we're finally not in a basement anymore. Mm-hmm. Where we can we can shine and we're using right. the best of the best now with, with hip hop. It's well, pretty dope. Well, I, I think I think some of that just has to do with um people just being better at using the tools. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> because like there's yeah. no like when one thing about analog audio, no I don't care what high high end manufacturer you you, you know, what kind of gear you're using or whatever. It could be manly stuff, super high end stuff, um anything you name. There's there's a level of inconsistency that happens in manufacturing in mm. analog circuitry. Mm-hmm. You just cannot, you know. This is like nobody has the same fingerprint. Uh-huh. There's that one little. That's why when you pull up a, when you're on an actual analog console, each channel sounds slightly different from the other. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes it sound dope. dope. Too. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's yeah. now. If, especially a lot of cats that are not even hybrid mixing, they're just purely mixing in the box. Mm-hmm. A lot of cats are learning how to deal with that. Yeah. You know, especially the cats that were, um, that moved from analog into digital. Well, they already they already knew the idiosyncrasies of working with analog gear and how to get around that. Being aware of that too, right? And being yeah. aware. Being exactly. Awareness is key. But now that they have plugins... They already know. Well, this is gonna sound this way all the time. This with the preset, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you know, hey, uh-huh. hey, you know when you when you're use. rushing, sometimes you're like, uh, let me see what presets they got. Got them uh, here, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, I can just sweep that up. That's it. You know what I mean? Exactly. But you know, you have a level of consistency that mm-hmm. you never had in the analog world. So, uh, yeah, with uh, with analog circuitry getting better, with with uh, um. A to D getting better, DA yeah. to getting better. Like, you know, you you can come up with something pristine, yeah. even though you're using, like, I mean, you think about it, the samples that mostly everybody's using are 16 bit samples. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you're just at 16 bit at 44, sometimes 48. But if you're recording uh, your vocals and any like bass or whatever at 96, you hear it. You're going to hear it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Along with that, you're going to hear that detail. You know what I mean? And then your reverb tails, all that stuff. Everything is going to have a certain amount of detail. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 the trick bag is how do you get that to translate in a, you know, to an MP3? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That's the trick bag. You know what I mean? And you know, and then, then we get into dithering and better. Who has the better? Dithering. Yeah, but that's the thing. Their their stuff sounds so good and there's so much information, even in MP3 level. Oh, right. YouTube, it jumps out the speaker. Right. I you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I credit that to I credit that to um, the mixer. Oh yeah. yeah. And and whoever's doing the master. I don't know who masters all this stuff, but. Stuart White does the majority of her mixing. Um, so does uh, um, uh, Tony Maserati. Oh, you know, yeah. he does a lot of stuff. I think it's Jimmy solid. Douglas did 444, right? Yeah, yeah. Who? Jimmy Douglas. Jimmy did, Douglas. Yeah. Did 444. Um, yeah, he did 444 because No ID likes Jimmy Douglas. He likes how oh, Jimmy. Oh yeah. Okay. And no ID mm-hmm. was the, was the producer mm. of that that project. Yeah, I love the album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we Sonically, just saw him at AES. Mm-hmm. At AES. Yeah. Tony Maserati. Yeah. Right. Yep. I saw Tony there too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Yeah. They got 
yeah, that's their their stuff just jumps out of the speaker. I love all of their stuff. Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna cut for now for the the first episode. Yeah, episode. We went a little bit long. We, we went long, but who? If who you were a true yeah. gearhead, yes. you're gonna appreciate every word of this because yes. I know I did. I mean, so um, indeed, likewise. Yeah. Yes. So, so with quiz, we'll we'll end it with how do we get in touch with you? What's the bit or well, how do we see your stuff? You know, what's um, your public? Just thing? going to my website <laughs> www.quiztronic.com. That's k w i z t r o n i c dot com, and you can learn some stuff there. And my contact information is there as well. You know, yeah. IG, yeah. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I you're you're active. It was like what quiz one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's quiz oh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, all right, uh, there we go. Thank you again for listening, guys. Please share. Uh, please leave comments at iTunes, rate our podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Podbean, all good things that have podcasts. Uh, <laughs> thank you again from, uh, first of all, Quiz, thank and you. from me and Dennis. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go, guys. For more information of booking 23DB Productions, visit their website at 23dbproductions.com. Like and follow 23DB Productions at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for the latest work.